Welcome to the One Degree Shift Podcast, where we learn the little changes that future-proof some of our favorite companies and teams. Here's your host, Eric Termundi. Jamie Mason Cohen, thank you so much for joining the One Degree Shift Podcast today. How are you? I'm excellent, Eric. Thanks for having me. This introduction was long overdue, and I'm excited just as much as, as my guests are to learn a little bit more about you and, and what excites you right now. Do you mind sharing with the group? Absolutely. I'm a speaker at Speaker Spotlight. I focus on leadership and performance. Uh, I used to work for Saturday Night Live and Lorne Michaels in New York City, and that gave me a perspective of how to help teams work well under pressure, meet deadlines, and creatively problem solve to help them find solutions to issues, keeping them up at 3 a.m. Amazing. And tell me more, a little bit more about that. What are you taking from Saturday Night Live that you continue to apply today? Well, when you have a group of people who are brilliant, you have diverse skill sets who are all trying to accomplish something each week that's constantly a target in motion and having to adjust and change under really difficult circumstances in terms of you have millions of dollars at stake, you have different hosts each week, and you have to find a way to make it work. And so there's really no time for analysis paralysis. Mm -hmm. You have to jump in, you have to make it work. Lauren Michaels used to say, the show, meaning Saturday Night Live, is not ready because it's finished. It is ready because it's 11.30 on Saturday right. night. Amazing. Well, you know, this is, uh, this is awesome. Speaker Spotlight's a great group. Tell me a little bit more about the groups that you're speaking to now and, and what some of the problems they're faced with. Well, I just spoke with Meeting Planners International. So Amazing. they yep. are, you know, one of the leading, if not the leading Meeting Planners Association in the world. So we focused on emotional intelligence for leaders. So what are the takeaways that anyone who is leading or running a group, a conference can do to help them build self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. That was one group that I just spoke with. First of all, MPI is a phenomenal group. It's a banner group for anyone in their speaking career to, to be able to speak in front of them. So, so congratulations. And Thank what you. comes to mind is this, this focus on emotional intelligence is not limited to by any means MPI. This is very much a leadership conversation too. So when it comes to emotional intelligence in leadership, what is missed right now? And what are some of those shifts that we can make to become better leaders can become more emotionally intelligent? Well, one often, not always, overlooked principle or you could say strategy that we all have access to is better listening. Mm. So when I talk about better listening, it's even beyond active listening or even present listening. It's your full undivided attention. You're not thinking ahead to what the other person's about to say. You're not thinking about how you're going to react. You are there with calm, leaning in, body language, there's no cell phone. It's actually quite simple, but yet most people, especially when they're stressed, they seem to forget all of that, even if they know that. And under emotional intelligence, that is about your self-awareness uh -huh. and about how you are coming across, not to other people, but having an understanding about how you're feeling in the moment and also social awareness, how you are projecting to other people. Are you projecting trust? Mm -hmm. Are you projecting rapport or are you projecting defensiveness and irritation? 
So how do I then, as an individual who checks my phone too often, who's distracted like everyone else is, whose mind often is somewhere that my body isn't, how do I become more self-aware of my actions so that I can, like you said, lean in, be more present, anticipate what might be said, and just be more active in, in, in my listening and my con- contribution to the conversation? So if we focus just on self-awareness, which would be the first place that I would start in emotional intelligence is first of all it's getting to know yourself from the inside out mm-hmm. and it's monitoring your inner world knowing what you're feeling why you're feeling which forms the the basis of really your moral compass so you can't really focus on other people unless you know where you are so the first thing that you said eric was you showed some self-awareness that like all of us i'm the same that you might be a little bit too tied to your phone and I think the first thing is, is literally to put the phone away if we're in a work situation. Right. Uh, the best leaders that I know, including Lord Michaels, they didn't have their phone out. It's a simple, or even other technology, it was, it was put away. Mm-hmm. Now, specific strategies would be breathing. So again, it's just so simple. We all have access to this, but it would literally be uh, John Kabat-Zinn is a wonderful practitioner. He wrote a book called Full Catastrophe Living. I studied him for many years. I took a course, was certified with him. So it's not religious. It's, uh, it, it, it could be spiritual, but it, it really is more about grounding yourself in your breath. So if the audience is listening at home, you can do this right now, which is simply breathing in five times for five seconds, holding it for five seconds at the top, and then breathing out through your nose or mouth, whatever is comfortable. I'm right here with there for doing it with you. This is great. Okay. Yeah. And breathe in one more time. And breathe out. And the next thing is while you're continually to breathe, don't stop breathing, is you want to ask yourself first, what am I feeling right now? So that's often difficult for us to assess that. But the more we do it like a muscle, we can practice it. You can ask yourself, what am I feeling? Am I feeling anger, frustration? resentment what am i feeling without judging it just acknowledging as you're doing that breath in and out and actually put a a a label on it and then the next thing is you want to actually look at your body so i was recently at the physio for the last six weeks and i've had this ongoing issue with my neck and um i spoke with this experienced physiotherapist of 30 years and i said it always seems to be right between my shoulder and my neck. I have this one spot and it's almost like a trigger point. And it seems to come out when I have a, you could say a negative interaction or Mm -hmm. something doesn't go as well as I would like. And when I asked him, even from a scientific standpoint, is there any data to show that there are parts of our body that hold certain pain and that are released or triggered when we're upset or angry, he said, absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's a growing body of evidence that shows when you're upset, there's certain parts of your body. And for you, it could be like me, it could be the place between your shoulder and your neck. It could mm-hmm. be down the, your spine, the, the top of your spine. It could be your hips when you do yoga. So with self-awareness, just to summarize, the first thing is put away your devices. The mm-hmm. second thing is breathe. So come mm-hmm. back to the breath. The third thing would be bring awareness to what am I feeling in that moment? And then the fourth thing would be where in my body is that reaction happening? And so if we can do all four of those things and get used to that, easier said than done, 
that lays the foundation of a really practical emotional intelligence and specifically the first part of emotional intelligence, which is self-awareness, which is knowing yourself from the inside out. Mm -hmm. Really interesting. What I love about this is that it's like you said, simple and not something that I thought of, you know, so just because it's simple doesn't necessarily mean it's easy. And, and so I guess my follow-up question then, assuming that I'm not self-aware instead of knowing that I am, or perhaps assuming that I am, how might I identify that these are some of the practices that I need to take to become a better leader if I'm not identifying or experiencing as much friction as you know might be right in front of me? Well, if I understand the, the question correctly, if you're not if you're not sure how you can access your own self awareness, you mm -hmm. could look outward. Mm -hmm. You could look outward to see how people are experiencing you. Right. So if you look in a, if we stick with a business context, if you're seeing certain people seem to almost distance themselves from you right. on a consistent basis, instead of always looking out and saying, what's their problem, you could be looking back at yourself and right. trying not to judge yourself, which again, I, it's very hard to do and ask yourself, is there something that I am doing within a, a social context within work? that is in some ways repelling people from me and I may be doing it unintentionally. Right. right because if you do that, that's also self-awareness because you're honestly assessing yourself, which is always a little easier than hearing it from another person. Yeah. Interesting. Tell me more about some of the lessons and some of the takeaways that you share with some of the stages that you're on and what problems prompt those takeaways and prompt those solutions that you provide for, for your groups. Okay. Well, I'll give you a, I like simple suggestions that work. And one of them that resonated was with this group I just spoke with and they really liked this one was if everybody has in front of them or if they don't, they can have access to it at some point, a, a large water bottle, or some type of drink mm -hmm. and bring that in with them to their next meeting. Now here's why that is an excellent physical and tactile reminder to manage your own emotions instead of reacting. If someone in a meeting says something that sets you off mm. because so often Benjamin Franklin said, not always to say the right thing in the right place, but far more difficult to leave unsaid the wrong thing in the tempting moment. Mm. Not always the right, say the right thing in the right place, but far more difficult to leave unsaid the wrong thing in the tempting moment. So sometimes we're so quick to jump in. We're so quick to be defensive or to support our ideas or find a way to explain ourselves. And mm -hmm. then afterwards we regret that. And so self-management is being, not just aware of ourselves, even if you don't have access to that, but if you have a physical object like a drink, the moment you feel like reacting, you take a sip, which I'm doing right now. Yeah. Well, I hope I didn't say drink. anything. Yeah. I hope I didn't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that gives you, Eric, about two to three seconds that just takes you out of that state and mm -hmm. gives you a, a second chance to remember to not always speak immediately. So that would be one. And I'll give you an example, unless you want to interject, about my own experience in successfully helping a company win an international competition like Dragon's Den or Shark Tank okay. by doing some of these practices that I'm telling you today.
Tell me more about that. What, tell me what, okay. what's this, what's this Dragon's Den competition? How did it go? What did, what did you learn? I was brought on by a founder of a health tech company called Easy Labs to help him after he was chosen to be in the top 20 out of 4,000 teams from around the world Whoa. who were selected to be a part of this Dragon's Den on steroids. Mm-hmm. To go in front of about 40 investors and tech mentors from the Netherlands. And they would select eight teams to be part of the largest health tech incubator in the world that starts next month. And I was side by side with the founder and I was the only member of his team. And we ended up uh, being successful in this process. And they said to us at the end, this was a great lesson, not just for Canadian listeners, but listeners from around the world. The Netherlands is a fascinating country in terms of their business culture from what I learned in just one week. And they believe that once you have a good idea, or in this case, if you get to that level where you're in the running for a, in this case, finite funding and being part of an incubator, the team is everything, Eric. Mm -hmm. So they then look at the people in the room and they ask, are these the kind of people who can take this idea and get it to the next level? And so in the team momentum dynamic, they told our team at the end, the head organizer came up to me and he said, they, meaning the investors and the tech entrepreneurs, believed in the capability of your team. Now, what did we do over the course of these three days of eight hour a days pitching to these mentors and these heads of hospitals and heads of pharmaceutical companies? Well, there's one thing that if you take nothing else away from what I said today, this is also proven by science by Daniel Goleman, who popularized and came up with the term emotional intelligence with Mm -hmm. his book, Emotional Intelligence at Work, in 1998, is I made sure, and this is really my job, not the founder. The founder was all about, let's get them to hear our idea. My job was this one thing, and that is to show warmth before Mm -hmm. confidence. So Mm. both trust and respect, it's been shown, Harvard did a study on this, are equally important to a person in a work environment when they judge you. They judge, can I trust you? Can I respect you? But it's the warmth, even if it's for 10 seconds, no different than from when you and I spoke, even before we went on this podcast, we do have a connection already before this, but what did we do before we did this? We asked each other about how we were. We Mm -hmm. took about two, Mm -hmm. a minute and a half or two to connect first. Mm -hmm. So before you jump into a pitch, before we jumped into our pitch for Easy Labs, I wanted to go around the circle and find out it was usually two to three people across from us. We did a brief introduction. We found out a little bit about each other. We spoke a little bit about Canada, a little bit about Amsterdam, (laughs) whatever it may be. And then we went into the pitch. So show people warmth before confidence. And that's a universal strategy. It's not a strategy because that almost sounds manipulative. That's a universal human tool that no matter where you're listening, it will work. Amazing. So just to be clear, when we're in a a boardroom, when we're in an interview, when we're with our team, when we're off on a retreat, when we're with our families, start with warmth. Safe to say? Always. Yes, absolutely. And I've heard people say, I don't like small talk. I don't do small talk. Or I think Mm. talking about the weather is superficial. No, it's not. I don't Mm. love small talk either. 
but when you find something in the room, someone we both, I think, know, know uh, Ron Tite. Very well. Yeah, about, he's great. He's great. He talks about a warm opener, mm-hmm. right? For, and he talks about that in terms of speaking. But if you take a warm opener, which is really situating yourself or grounding yourself in the space in any environment you find yourself at work, speaking with a new colleague, if you have to make a presentation in front of eight people, or you have to, in, in our case, pitch a series of investors who you've never met before. You don't even know what companies they're from until you sit down. They're all human. They right. all have lives outside of this. And if you can get them to feel that warmth and you can project trust, that is a winning combination every time you sit down in a workspace. You know, I love that. I love the simplicity again. And I guess my final question then for you before leaving it open to, to you, if you have anything else you want to add is, you know, say I'm up against a, a guy who's got his arms crossed and is not really interested in small talk and really just wants to get to the conversation or get to the deal. Would you still then recommend starting as warm as possible or accommodating that, let's call it behavior or action? Accommodating. Accommodating okay. because actually it, since we're on the theme of emotional intelligence uh-huh. one aspect of emotional intelligence is how you read a room is How you catch the feeling in a group you're sitting down to or If it's a larger room now mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that I don't bring in warmth a little bit later And I'll show That's you how you bring in warmth right now So we sat across from people and and who did have that arms crossed and I noticed uh, the tone of voice, the tone of, it's, it's, not a, it's not to be overly generalized, but I noticed the tone was people were quite direct. They did want us to get to the point about what this idea was, mm-hmm. but that underlying idea was we also are here to, you know, we, we want to connect. We, we would like to like this idea, but because of that team aspect is so important in that particular country, they, that team I translated is, we also want to get to know you a little bit in these 15-minute pitch sessions. So, Eric, here's my strategy with that. I would read the room by I would, if I saw the arms crossed, I saw the glasses slightly down and kind of giving this look. They may have just been tired because they listened to several other pitches. I would then start off with our introduction about each other short. But here's where that emotional intelligence reading the room component comes in. It comes in a story. So mm. I would read that room and I would give my, uh, the founder a look and I'd say, okay, yeah, yeah, tell, your, you know, tell a story about how you came from IBM, started a company. Okay, because they may not want to hear it right off. But then I would come in and I would say, look, and I won't tell the whole story now, but I, to give an example, I would say, you know, here's why I'm interested in being here today. I had this problem and so did my wife where we were looking for answers mm-hmm. and we couldn't find answers in the usual process of looking at our blood reports. So we actually blah, 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 blah. So I would go in with a, a gentle tone, authentic, yeah. and I would just tell about a 90 second story and not focus on impressing them with look, look how great the story right, is and jam right. it down their throat. So if you, if you're in a room with a tough group of people, you may want to start with this is what we're going to get done and be very you know analytical and direct but then pull back a little bit early on and tell a brief story to show that you're human 
so that they can read that this is a type of person who mm -hmm. I want to hear a little bit more from. Oh, incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. Jamie, thanks. Thanks so much for, for sharing. And I, I love the story element too, because that's warmth in its own. That relatability and connection piece, I think is, is so, is so key. Uh, is there anything else that you want to share with us today? Well, I think you and I could talk all day, but I think, uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, well, to be continued then, uh, yes. you know, I, I really appreciate everything that you've shared with us on the show today and, uh, love, love speaker spotlight, love the team there. Uh, I'm working with them as well. And hopefully we can share a stage here someday soon. Yeah, I'd love that. Thanks so much for having me, Eric. Awesome. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. For more podcasts, show notes, and to connect with our speaker today, visit erictermundi.com. That's E-R-I-C-T-E-R-M-U-E-N-D-E.com. And click the podcast tab. Thanks for listening.